whose name was Jonah. Now Jonah was a prophet, but that's not why he's remembered. We tell the tale, cause in a whale, he nearly was dismembered. How many of you have seen that movie? I need you to erase everything you learned about Jonah from that movie, from your brains. One thing that I want to ask of you tonight is if you usually use your cell phone as your Bible, I'm going to ask that tonight and for the rest of the time that you don't. And the reason for that, and I know that some of you, like, that's just how you read your Bible on your phone, and I understand that. But I don't know if you're like me, and I'm on my phone, even if I'm reading my Bible, I get a notification, and then I click on the notification, and all of a sudden I go somewhere else, and I'm on, and not even intentionally, and all of a sudden I've spent like 10 minutes on something else instead of actually reading my Bible, and here we're going to focus for these times. So if for just while you're here for the next couple of weeks, if you cannot use your phone as a Bible and use the actual Bible, that would be great. Tonight we're starting the book of Jonah. If you hadn't guessed that yet, open up to page 774. As you can see, once you get there, as Jonah's a pretty short book, you can see all four chapters when you open up to those pages. And this is where we're going to be for the last four weeks of the year. How many of you got one of these last week? How many of you spent some time with it, at least a little bit, maybe in the last week? 
Well, it's not too late to start. If you haven't gotten one, they're on the back table when you leave. So together, through the next couple of weeks, as we study the book of Jonah, we're going to go through this devotional. Well, you're going to do it at home. If you want, someone asked me tonight, do we bring these back? If you want to bring it with you because it will help you in your discussion time because you can look back at your answers, bring it back. But I don't need you to do it. Hey, can, I just want to make sure, Austin, I can see your face. Okay, just turn great. Thank you. Dom, I want to see you too, so don't hide from me. And if anyone else is laying on that couch. Um, so you'll now, this next week, you'll go to Jonah chapter 2, because that's what we're going to do next week. So if you haven't gotten one of these yet, they're on the back table on your way out. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for a new day. Thank you. We do thank you for the sun. We thank you um, for this place. I pray that you would show us something about yourself in a new way um, tonight. Open our hearts, our ears to what it is that you have for us in our eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. Story of Jonah is one of, I would say, the most popular stories in the Bible. Would any of you agree with me? I feel like people who maybe even haven't ever read the Bible would be like, oh yeah, Jonah and the whale. I know that story, or I at least have heard of it. Um, For me, I remember hearing the story in Sunday school when I was little, because that's what we called church on Sundays was Sunday school when we were little. And I don't even remember the point of the story other than I know Jonah disobeyed God, and then he got swallowed by a whale, and then he got spit out on the beach, and that was where the story ended. That's all I remember from the story. I don't know anything else. And in my mind, the whale was a huge part of the story. Did you know that the whale is only mentioned in two verses in this entire book, and it's not even a whale? You guys have been correcting me every time I've said whale, and I've been everything in me to be like, I know, it's a great fish, it's not a whale. Is it loud? Do you want to turn me down? I can't do it, so I feel loud, but I don't. There's one that says master towards the, keep going. Towards there, yep, towards there. It's kind of by itself. Just push it. Kristen's got to push it down. I know I feel like I'm loud, but I can't do anything about it. Hey, that's better. Okay, great. So it's not even a whale. And this story, you guys, as I said, the whale or the great fish, because it wasn't a whale, might have been a whale, but we don't know. It actually says a great fish in the original translation. And then somewhere along the way, people started saying whale. Anyway, only talked about in two verses of this entire book. And this story is about so much more than that moment. He spit out of the fish halfway through the book. There's a whole other half of the book that I never heard of when I was little because I think they just ignored that part or something. It's amazing how we can take stories from the Bible and an attempt to make them shorter or more fun or something that a kid can remember because that's what we teach when we're kids, right, can completely change the whole meaning, but that's what then we take as truth the whole rest of our life, because this is how I learned the story as a child, and so this is how I remember it, and this is how it is. Now, I have to say, and I have, at least in that song, VeggieTales got it wrong, okay? Shocking, but I like VeggieTales, okay? When, yes, you and I should show compassion and mercy to one another, But this book is not about that. There's a small part of it, 
And, it, and, he ta- and in the song, it also talked about like, you know, just as God gave Jonah a second chance, you should give other people second chances. That was kind of another thing that they said was a big, like, this is the point of the book. No, okay? Those are good morals. Those are good things to, you know, think about and to have and to talk about. And yes, we should show compassion and mercy. But the main point of the story is not that. This story is about a man named Jonah and his relationship with God. This story is about the heart of a man and how God was working on his heart and how God wants to work on our hearts. You guys, this story goes so much deeper than a fish. It gets down to really an ugliness that exists in Jonah's heart and an ugliness and enough so that God would feel that we needed to read this story and to have it to think, that ugliness could be in us as well, and how God relates to his people. And I think in the end, when we get to week four, you're going to see how much we can relate to Jonah and begin to realize where God's heart lies and learn more about him and his view of people and sin and life, which is the real story. He cares about Jonah's heart, he cares about ours, and he cares about yours, which is included in ours. Okay, so we're going to get started. Verse one. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now, Jonah was a prophet. You're going to have that song stuck in your head all night. Jonah was a prophet. Right? He was a prophet. VeggieTales got that right. In the Old Testament, God spoke to people in different ways. Because the Holy Spirit wasn't inside of everybody, so he didn't speak directly to the people. He spoke to them in different ways, and one of those ways was through prophets. Okay, so God would tell a prophet something, and go tell these people, go tell this nation, mainly because they know that I'm going to destroy them. That was usually the, or that you need to change your ways, or tell them something about God, and, and all these things. We see uh, we see Jonah actually mentioned in the book of 2 Kings. It talks about this prophet named Jonah. Did you know that the Bible is not set in chronological order? It's not set up in the order of events. Okay, so even though 2 Kings is here. So 2 Kings is here. This is where Jonah was alive, but this is where we get his story. Okay, so the way the Bible is set up is there's a whole section. They just grouped all the books of the prophets together to make it kind of easy. They're grouped more by genre. Okay, so this is one of the prophets. If you think of in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, Daniel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, those were all prophets. They're usually named by their first name. So now we get Jonah's story, and it's a little bit different. Oh, now I'm open to 2 Kings. Oh, just open right back up to Jonah. It's a little bit different of a prophet book because we get to see actually Jonah's story, not so much about the city, but more about Jonah. So God gives him this message. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, which great city meaning it was huge. There was a time in the world's history where Nineveh was the largest city in the world. I read that today. Pretty crazy. So great city not meaning it was like great as in awesome and they did great things, but great city meaning it was huge. Okay, And Jonah is to go there and call out against it. He's to declare that the Lord knows that they are doing wrong and to turn from their ways. Well, actually, he's going to say, God's going to destroy you people. But 
We're going to get there in chapter 3. Verse 3. So God told Jonah to do this, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a fish going... (laughs) That's funny. A ship, not a fish. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Tarshish. It's hard, you guys. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah ran. He ran. He did not want to go there and do that, so he ran in the opposite direction. And not just away from what God was calling him to do, it says he ran from the presence of the Lord multiple times because he knew that if he was to not do what he was called to do, that he didn't even want to be in God's presence because he knew what God was capable of. And yet he still runs. He did it anyway. He got on a ship going in the other direction. He disobeyed. He didn't necessarily have a plan for what he was going to do next, but he got on the ship, he went down below, and he got the heck out of there. Verse 4, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner parts of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. Now, I actually imagine when I think of this story that everything that is said is yelled because they're on this ship and it's this huge storm, such a storm that they're like, we, we're going to die. So have you ever been like in a windstorm or something? Like I would imagine that everything that is said from here on out while the storm is happening is yelled. What do you mean you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Like, so imagine that I'm not going to yell all the things. Okay. <laughs> but imagine who was in control at that moment. Who was in control of that situation? Verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. In that moment, and in all moments, God is in control. The Lord was the one who hurled the great wind upon the sea. God was. And I have to believe that Jonah knew that something like this would happen. That's why I believe that he went down under the ship and he fell asleep. Have you ever just wanted to like escape life and you're like, I'm just going to go to bed. (laughs) I'm just going to fall asleep because when I fall asleep, I don't have to deal with the things that are going on out here. It's the only way I can explain, I can imagine how Jonah was able to sleep in such a time as this, that he knows he's running away from God. I would feel like there would be, for me, at least some anxiety, like I can't sleep, God's not going to let me sleep, but he's escaping the reality. He's like, I'm going to sleep so I can just be gone for a while. I know that if God is going to do something during this time, I don't want to be awake for it because it's going to be something big, even though it's his fault. And while he's sleeping, sure enough, craziness ensues. A storm that was sudden enough and mighty enough that the sailors knew this was a different kind of storm. Like someone did something to upset someone, 
a god or one of the gods was their belief, had angered them. They were doing everything they could. They prayed to their gods, anyone that they could think of. They were throwing everything they could overboard so that they wouldn't sink. These guys were afraid. So now, except for God, every character that we've seen has been afraid. Every character that we have countered has had fear. Jonah was afraid to go where God had called him, which the reason for his fear is going to come in later chapters, and I don't want to give it away yet because I bet if you haven't read it yet, you wouldn't even guess what he's actually afraid of. But his fear drove him to disobedience. And now every single person on that ship is afraid, afraid for their lives, afraid of the storm, And everything they do or think or act or say is driven by fear in that moment. It's a desperation. We'll do anything. Fear is interesting. And for those of you who did your devotion this week, you you spend some time thinking about fear and your fears and what you're afraid of. But fear can, can drive us to say things or do things we might not normally do. Fear, in order to get out of situation, we might act a certain way or say certain things or live a certain way. What do you guys fear? I'm not talking about when someone says, like, what's your greatest fear? And you're like, spiders. Which, okay, spiders are legit, like, I don't like them. Get away from me, okay? Just affirming your feelings. I'm not talking about spiders or bears or lions or whatever. I'm talking about, like, deep inside of you. I'm talking about fears like rejection, loss, losing someone you love, fear of being known, fear of not making the team, fear of not being good enough, fear of not being loved or doing something to lose the love of the people that are closest to you, fear of messing up too big. What are your fears? Have you ever been afraid of something God has asked you to do? To go somewhere, to do something, to have a conversation? Or have you ever tried to avoid a situation because you were afraid of what God would ask you to do? Maybe it's not even fear of what, that God, of what will God ask you, but that he'll ask you to do something that you don't want to do. Don't ask me to do that. I don't want to do that. Being afraid of what he will ask. In some ways, we'll come to find out that Jonah is being disobedient because he doesn't want to do what God is asking him. I don't want to do that. (laughs) Again, we'll get to the why, but don't worry about that at this point. The point is Jonah went in the opposite direction. Jonah is being disobedient to what God had asked him to do or told him to do. He didn't go. He ran. And now we're in this situation on the ship. And other people are involved. Do you realize that if... If Jonah hadn't been on that ship, that that storm wouldn't have happened. But now that Jonah is on that ship, all of these men who are on that ship are experiencing this that they maybe wouldn't have. Others' lives are at stake because Jonah was being disobedient to God. You guys, when we are disobedient, sin, our sin affects the people around us. Sometimes you might not think about that. Sometimes you think, well, this is my own personal sin. No one sees this. It happens in my room. No one sees this. It happens in my mind. No one sees this. But it affects our relationships. It affects how we react and act towards others. 
And that's just on like the surface level. Have you ever had, have you um, been impacted negatively because someone else's sin? If you think about that. On a larger scale, if your parents have gotten divorced, you were affected <laughs> negatively. Okay? And that's just one of the big ones. If you're, it, it could be your parents, your siblings, it could be your friend, but you are impacted by someone else's, as these men were. Sin isn't just a just affecting us situation. And this, this is one of the areas that shows it. So they said to one another in verse 7, Come, let us cats lots. Cats. Cats. Come, let us cast lots, that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. Casting lots. It's like drawing straws. They take these two pieces of wood that are kind of like dice, and there are light sides and there are dark sides. And if two dark sides came up, it meant no. And if two light sides came up, it meant yes. And one of each meant, let's throw these again, <laughs> which I think is just funny. But <laughs> they're unsure. So they would go to each person in the room and say, is this the person who's, in, who's you know, the responsible for the storm and throw the dice? And it'd be you know, two dark sides. Okay, it wasn't you. Okay, Wyatt. Let's see if it was you. Throw them. Nope, it wasn't you. Colton, let's go. Okay? And they would go until they get to Jonah. At this point, I don't know if he thought he was going to get lucky or, but can you imagine sitting there, like him sitting there, they're going around like, oh, crap. This is my, this is, it's going to happen. One by one, casting lots, and they get to him, and he knows it's going to be him. He knows what he's done. He knows the effects of it. Disobedience. Okay, so today um, is Eric's birthday, who I work with on staff. And I was making a German chocolate cake for him because it's his favorite um, cake. Usually he's the one who makes cakes, but it was my day to make cake. I've never made German chocolate cake before. Anyway, so I go online to find a cake recipe. It's like the most complicated cake, by the way, in case you haven't ever made it. Anyway, so I go to the reviews, and one of the ladies literally said, one of the things you're supposed to do is beat the egg whites until they have peaks. Okay, you guys might not know what that means, but you beat them with like a hand mixer, and they get all fluffy and soft and whatever. And so one of the ladies was like, you know, this cake turned out all like crumbly, and it didn't really hold together. And she goes, but I didn't really, I didn't beat the egg whites to their soft peak, so that's probably why. And then the next time I made it, I actually followed the directions, and it turned out right. You guys, disobedience, like, if we know, <laughs> like, we know, we know we did something wrong. This lady knew she did the recipe um, inaccurately. This is going to be the outcome. How can she expect to have a good cake come out if she doesn't follow the recipe? If we are disobedient and we're living lives of being disobedient, how can we look around and say, why isn't life going the way that I thought it would or that I planned? There's no way that Jonah had to expect that something was going to happen because of his actions. Verse 8, then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and what people are you? <laughs> and he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. 
Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was feeling from the, presen- from the presence of the Lord because he had told, fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. When those men found out that Jonah was running, um, who Jonah was running from, they were exceedingly afraid. So they were afraid, but then they found out it was God, and then they were exceedingly afraid. It was bigger, and their, their question wasn't like, so what did you do to get us in this mess? It was more of horror, like, what have you done? <laughs> what have you done? Do you understand what, we, what he's capable of? And Jonah speaks this phrase. He says, I fear the Lord. Now, I don't know if he's just used to saying that phrase, or if he does, and this was just like a one time I'm on the ship and I disobeyed and I'm in this situation, but I do fear the Lord. There is a difference because there is because his actions in that moment aren't necessarily saying as one who fears the Lord. Because there is a difference between being afraid of God and having a healthy fear of God. Okay, I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between being afraid of God and having a healthy fear of God. The best way I can describe it is this. It is like the difference between believing he is on your team and believing that he isn't. It's knowing his power and what he's capable of and believing he's on your team and believing he isn't. For instance, I couldn't think of a good example of this because I was like, I could go with Avengers. Some people would care about that. I would go with, you know, a basketball team. Some people would care about that. I couldn't think of one that all of you would relate to, so just go with me, okay? Imagine you're going into battle and you have an army or a team of people that you're putting together and you're going to be the ones to fight and you get to choose, okay? And there is this guy who is the biggest and strongest. His power, you can't even fathom how someone could be that strong and he's smart and he's amazing. And the things he can do, you sit in awe at and you're like, man, he is amazing. Look at that strength. Look at that power. Look at who he is. So in some ways, you know you wouldn't want to cross him because you know what he's capable of, but you also know that he's on your team. And so there's this sense of security that you're like, man, this guy can do crazy damage, but he's with me. And so there's this sense of security and he's with you. But now imagine if he was on the other team. Now imagine if you came up and you knew he was on the other team and you're fighting against him. Now you're afraid. Because you know what he's capable of, and he's out to get you. And one false move, you're done. The first example is having a fear of God. It's having a fear of him, right? Your response is praise and awe. And you're also going to follow and do what he says because you know what he's capable of, and you want to stay on his team, and you're like buddies. You like to have him there and to fight with him. And the other is to be afraid of him. He's waiting for you to mess up because he's going to get you. I do believe there is a middle ground. Or I do believe there is an other option. Because let's say this is is the spectrum of being afraid of God. This is the spectrum of having a healthy fear of God. I believe there is a third option. And originally I put it in the middle ground, but I think it's actually over here. And that option is that you have no fear of him. You have no fear of God. His power and what he's capable of, they don't faze you. Your view of God is so small and diminished and inaccurate that you're like, yeah, he's God, but so what? He's there. I'm living my life here. 
I'll just keep doing me. I'll just keep living my life. I'll play this game and make it look like to you that I am all in this, but I'm just going to do enough. And believe me, if you think that you're fooling anyone with that facade, (laughs) you're not. And God, yeah, cool, I guess. And you have no fear of God, of what he can do, of what he will do, of who he is, and what his power is capable of. And I believe that that is a more dangerous place to be than having a fear of God. Because the person who has a fear, is afraid of God, the person who is afraid of God knows his power, knows what he's capable of, and is one step away from having a healthy fear and being on his team. But the person who has no fear of God and is like, mm, whatever, that's a scary place to be. My, one of my friends, um, a couple years ago, she was attending the Catholic church at the time, and she started coming to Timberwood. And I, actually, I sat next to her, in, and I say the Catholic Church because I believe this is a teaching that she had instilled in her that was good, somewhat. So anyway, I sat next to her in church on a Sunday morning, and she was, sh- like, literally shaking, like, hands, legs, feet. And I was like, why are you shaking? And I almost felt like the response was looking at me saying, why aren't you shaking? This is God. Why aren't you shaking? How can you be so calm? Don't you understand his power? And I was just like, dang. (laughs) And I feel like I would much rather have that mindset of God, of awe and reverence, and of do you understand what he's capable of than to have this, yeah, God, hmm, hanging out. And I feel like so often we get stuck over here and we don't realize who we're dealing with who he is. So I want you to think about tonight this fear spectrum and where you're at. They said to him, what shall we do to you? And I'm going to kind of paraphrase the rest because we're running out of town. He says, what should we do to you? And he's like, throw me into the sea. Throw me into the sea. And they're like, we don't want to do that. So they actually started paddling harder and harder Did you know that continuing to act in disobedience is just going to make it worse? (laughs) Because it says that the winds blew more and the storm got worse. And finally they're like, okay, God, the sailors said, we're going to throw him in the sea, but don't fault us for that (laughs) because it's not our fault. He said, oh, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not us his innocent blood or on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Don't, don't put this on us. We're going to throw him overboard. So they picked up Jonah and they hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased form from its raging. Then the me- men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. I, they went from being exceedingly afraid to exceedingly fearing the Lord. They saw what God was capable of. And you guys... I like really hope that I get to meet these guys in heaven because I can't imagine the stories that they told from this day and how God went from the storm to it ceased completely. And it says that they offered him sacrifice and they feared the Lord and they they made vows to him. Verse 17, it's what you've been waiting for and that's where we're going to end. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You guys, this story is not about the fish. 
Jonah was thrown overboard, and he fell in the water, I'm sure, for a time. And what was going through his head before the fish actually swallowed him? The fish that was provided by God. God wants to give him another chance. God wants to work on his heart. God isn't done with him yet, and I can't wait to dig into the rest of this book with you. But I want you to right now think, and tonight, and to be challenged, of what is your view of God? Does it include the fact that he commands the sea? Does it include the fact that the winds and the waves obey him? Does it include the fact that he commands a fish and can keep a man alive and a fish for three days? Does it include a God who cares about our actions? Does it include a God who saves us even in our darkest moments? Does it include a God of mercy and love? Does it include a God who is to be feared? Does it include a God who is desperately seeking your heart and wanting to change it for his glory for the best life that you and I can ever have? Jonah and the whale, Jonah and the big fish, get them out of your brains. <laughs> this is between God and Jonah, and this is between God and us. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word, for such a short story that can have so much power, and I pray that we would allow ourselves to be changed by it, to be challenged, to dig deep, and to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need any more of these, they're on the back table. If you lost yours, feel free to take another one.